the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Pat Vitucci says, don't invest and forget. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Vitucci of Vitucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. Some of the FANG stocks making news as Google announces a $70 billion buyback, Facebook points to a possible revenue drop for the first time in a decade, And meanwhile, consumer prices rose a painful 8.5% in March, the highest in 41 years. Welcome again to this edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, 30-plus year financial manager, author, and the principal of Vitucci & Associates, Pat Vitucci, And joining us today, as usual, is our own Don't Invest and Forget Man on the Street, Charlie Cowain. Well, Pat, boy, you almost need to have a scorecard to keep up with the winners and losers on Wall Street these days. And sadly, to the greatest degree, as this story related to consumer price index in the month of March, certainly one of the losers is the American consumer. Yeah, wow, it's been a volatile uh, period here we're going through with... 8.5% year-over-year gain in um, cost of living, the the CPI, Consumer Price Index. Highest since 1981, guys. I mean, that puts it in perspective. Surging food, energy, housing costs, certainly contributing towards that gain. I don't see it, frankly, abating for a while. When we've got the price of oil hovering around 105 bucks, that's a tax on literally everything the truck going down the street bringing us bread and milk our twinkie fix for the day a truck is bringing it and costs are going to continue to uh, go up and so i think it's going to dominate the news it's going to dominate the political platforms of both parties and the dems will point to trump as being the culprit for causing all this and of course the republicans will point to um biden So it'll be an interesting collection of discussions as we get closer to November's midterm election. And I guess we can all point to Ukraine. That is not helping things for sure. Certainly blames Putin for higher prices. We know prices were skyrocketing by year end. 
in Ukraine hadn't been attacked until, what, February 12th or something, or February 20th. Yes, it had certainly exacerbated, I think, to record numbers. Alphabet announces $70 billion buyback. Wow. Talk about confidence in their future earnings. This is a major step up from, I talked a while back, about a $50 billion buyback. So there's some optimism on Alphabet's part as to what their future revenue and future profit looks like. I would suspect the reason why you buy back stocks, you think your your price of your your share price is low, so you invest in yourself when it comes time to pay dividends or you enjoy appreciation of your share price, so you get to enjoy that much more of it. So watch for those kinds of moves from Alphabet. Big news this week, Elon Musk buys Twitter. We'll see how he handles the politics associated with that. Will it truly be a town square forum and lots of accusations that they are anti-conservative? Maybe this Elon Musk purchase is the beginning of some semblance of fairness. $44 billion worth. We'll see um, how he executes it. Lots of smart people out there, but smarts doesn't get anywhere unless you can execute on your smarts. So a lot of very intelligent people not in the position of being able to put one foot in, in front of the other. We'll look forward to how Elon Musk handles this acquisition. It was interesting to note that the Amazon founder, Jeff Bezos, was very critical of Elon Musk. Of course, those guys don't like each other. But when Bezos bought the Washington Post, clearly to get some political influence, Elon Musk is doing the same thing perhaps in a much grander way, the Twitter microphone is, I think, a whole lot bigger than the Washington Post. When Elon Musk buys Twitter, Jeff Bezos had some very critical comments about that acquisition. But we'll see how how that feud among the two richest men on the planet plays out. And so it's, it's amazing. You wonder when they wake up in the morning, all the things that they have going on, What's the first thing that comes to mind? You wake up in the morning, you just bought this multi-billion dollar company. What, what, what happens this morning? I mean, it's what, just, those they, guys are so busy. They do whatever they want I, to do. I guess they do. They, yeah. they hire smart people. I mean, uh, all the successful people on the planet, they have a great staff behind them, and they're not, they're not out there giving directives to subordinates. They, they're hiring top-line managers. I mean, just yep. look at that Tesla plant out there in Fremont. How many layers of management do you think it takes to run that thing? And all the HR issues and supply chain issues and just running that company by itself. He's got the ability to hire wonderful talent in all of his ventures. That, uh, but you have to find those people, too. I mean, it's, uh, he doesn't probably sleep eight or ten hours every night. Those smart people sleep four or five hours historically. You know, Thomas Edison was known to sleep four hours a night. Well, Steve, what did he do, Pat? Come on. Well, and Steve Jobs also <laughs> allegedly uh, had very short sleep times. Unlike the rest of us lazy people sleeping seven or eight hours, uh-huh. Cohen, and then it takes you another two hours to wake up after that. And interesting to ride along their shoulder on any given day and see exactly how they how they perform my gosh what does the average person do when this past week the dow was down 805 points 
one day, up 350 points the next day. We've got this roller coaster ride of sentiment that the market is trying to lop onto some semblance of a direction of the economy. And it's pretty much failed to do that because we're getting conflicting signals on a regular basis. Earnings, generally speaking, have been pretty darn good given all the nuances of the world. And of course, inflation is the big issue. If a company cannot adapt and raise prices to accommodate higher inflation and then sprinkle in supply chain problems, being a consumer goods manufacturing kind of company like a Procter & Gamble or an automotive company, just managing the shortage issues with the ability to staff your company, we continue to have ramifications of the great resignation, which I'm not sure where these people went to. Do they all go into the woods and go off the internet? I just read an article yesterday where some of these people who resigned from the world are starting to trickle back in. I guess they're running out of food money, and so they have to get back to work and work a real job because the great resignation ain't turning out the way it, they thought it would. Uh, you, you know, you still have to eat and put a roof over your head. We'll see if a lot of these uh, multi-million number of people come back into the workforce. Pat, it, it seems also to be you know, more and more difficult to actually get a, get a hold of somebody on the phone. They don't want to talk to you for, in most cases. They want to just direct you to the website, period. You know, I've found that more and more, especially in the last year, um, it's just hard to get a hold of anybody on the phone for almost any reason. So and they want to direct you to the website and, you know, don't bother me on the phone. Most companies don't even publish a telephone number anymore. You, you can't get a, a telephone number. So you have to go That's to the true. website and try and find the answer to your question. Or God forbid we got charged twice from a vendor months ago and we can't get anybody to get our attention to, um, to get credit back. You're right. In a service economy that we has flourished in the last 25 years, getting serviced in a dutiful way is um, becoming the challenge. Well, Pat, certainly, as you've discussed, there's been winners and losers over the last many months on Wall Street. And I guess many investors are trying to ascertain how do we go about negotiating what appears to be, at least for now, the new normal. Thank goodness it looks like more and more of the impact of COVID is getting behind us, but we're still dealing with the lingering effects related to supply chain issues. China, of course, is going through a huge spike of COVID, practically shutting down cities like Shanghai and Beijing. And ultimately, I think we're going to probably see some impact on exports and manufacturing there. Meanwhile, you look at what's happening with interest rates, coupled with what's happening with the cost of living. You talked about the consumer price index up 8.5% in the month of March. That's got to have investors very troubled in terms of we used to be able to just kind of set it and forget it. A lot of people do. You've spent a lifetime advising against that approach. But for those that did and just by happenstance did okay on Wall Street, well, those days are now behind us because it would seem to me that now you have to look at your investment choices for an IRA, 401k, or other investments with a much more watchful eye, largely because you not only have to worry about 
making enough money to stay ahead of inflation. But when inflation's a couple of points, that's not so tough. When inflation is the way it's been for the last nearly a year now, how do people go about discovering how to appropriately manage their investments in the light of what's happening on Wall Street and with inflation? Yeah, the bull market may in fact be coming to an end or it may have already started a month or so ago. So you're absolutely right. For the past many years, we've enjoyed double-digit gains year after year after year for kind of doing nothing. You just set it and forget it. Maybe some minor tweaks along the way from large cap to small cap or domestic to emerging funds. But largely, the equity markets have treated us pretty darn nicely. Now, if 2022 is going to be a negative year, we're certainly poised to go in that direction. It really does require you to take a fresh look at your asset allocation mix. And I want to point out, you don't want to rebalance. You want to reallocate. Very subtle difference, but very important. If you rebalance and you had 30% in large cap stocks and it drops to 28 you rebalance back to 30. Well, wait a minute. Maybe large caps are not the place to be. So you further exacerbated a sector of the economy that may, in fact, drop even more so. Conversely, reallocating simply says, wait a minute. I had 30% in large cap. It dropped to 28. I don't think large caps are the place to be. I'm going to reduce my exposure to large caps to 15 That's taking into consideration all the current leading and lagging indicators and the direction that they're pointing. Don't just rebalance, reallocate. Very subtly suggesting that where we were last quarter last year needs to be corrected back to the percent I had originally when in fact that sector may not be a favorable place to be little bit technical, but this is your practice. You probably need to come into one of our Bay Area offices, have us look at your portfolio allocation and give you some suggestions for reallocating and not rebalancing. I'm curious, Pat, toward that end, as much as the need for reallocation, as you suggest, is kind of penultimate at this moment. I'm wondering, too, in light of the current investment environment, We talked about higher inflation, higher volatility. Certainly, I would wonder if this speaks to the necessity for maybe greater diversity inside of our investment choices, just because the sector rotation has has changed pretty significantly in terms of what areas are getting impacted or pummeled the most by inflation. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, getting out of some sectors is absolutely essential, in my view. Taking a fresh look at where... The economy is going in the next quarter or two. There are different players that will prosper more profitably given the sequence of leading and lagging indicators that we study on a regular basis. Let's face it, pandemic-related industries did really well. Peloton, Zoom, Google, and others were very friendly given the pandemic environment that we lived in. For the last couple of years, those same companies are have declined fairly radically. I mean, 
Peloton is kind of the uh, poster child for that giant shift. You could not buy a Peloton bike a year or so ago that you were on a waiting list. Hot tubs were the same thing. Bicycles. Home Depot, Lowe's were booming because we were sitting home working on projects, planting flowers in the garden, cleaning your garage, all those home improvement kinds of things. And now you see those stocks uh, not performing as well. So it takes a fresh look to reallocate to sectors as we hopefully get out of this pandemic environment and return to some level of normalcy, albeit with the war hanging over our head in Ukraine, it does take revisiting and looking at your sector rotation opportunities. And Pat here is speaking again as the man on the street to figure that out. I can't wake up in the morning and say, all right, I've got to change my sector. I, you know, I, I just don't know enough to do that. This is one of those periods, Charlie, you're, you're right. If you're not into studying what sectors to be in, because at the end of the day, reading a prospectus before you go to bed is hardly an assignment you're going to look forward to. Uh, You've got lots of other things on your plate, looking after kids, maybe looking after your folks, working extra hours because the boss demands it. It's a fast-paced world. And meanwhile, you're sitting there not even thinking about your 401k and what areas you're invested in and making contributions every payroll deduction and perhaps putting money into into a sector that's declining. To take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat spoke of just a moment ago, why not call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-PLANWISE. Easier still, you can schedule your appointment conveniently online by going to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. In addition to scheduling your appointment online, you'll also find a number of resources available through the Investor Education tab, including articles and topics such as what we've discussed today on the program. Again, that's don'tinvestandforget.com to get more information or to schedule your complimentary appointment in any of the Bay Area offices of Vitucci & Associates. Why not call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE? That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Don't invest and forget dot com. Patrucci says don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. Welcome back to Don't Invest and Forget. My special guest today, Frank Parrish. Frank is an estate planning attorney. We've known each other for about 30 years we started working together when we were 12, but that's beside the point. Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Pat. It's a pleasure being here. So, Frank, you've been an estate planning attorney for lots of years. Not to make you sound old, but you're experienced. That's the important point. I read a statistic the other day that still astounds me. Here we are later in life, as they say, on the back nine. And I read eight out of 10 people walking the streets do not even have a will. Is that startling? You know, after some four decades in this practice, it really does not come to me as a great surprise. I've had, and I've met with so many individuals, they thought their affairs were in order. They thought because of the way they had assets titled, either in joint tenancy or community property, 
They wouldn't need to have a will or any type of estate plan. And it's simply a very sad reality where people have failed to do proper planning. And as a result of that, not only they, but their families go through a great deal of uncharted waters. You know, you speak of titling an asset. I mean, it seems pretty rudimentary, pretty basic. You know, mom and dad own the house. And what's more confusing? That's pretty simple. But legally, there are a whole host of issues that can affect that, aren't there? Absolutely. The impact of property titling is the foundation upon which all estate planning is built. And in every conference, in advance of every conference, I provide clients with a questionnaire and I ask them to complete a financial statement. And when I meet with them, we look at the financial statement, not so much as to net worth, but determining how are your assets, your investments, your real estate, insurance policies, retirement plans, how are they titled? And titling controls everything. And we start out with the most simple form of titling, and that is in your name alone. If you own an asset just in your name alone and you die and that asset has no beneficiary designation, as a general rule, it becomes a probate asset. And when you say that, people have a fear of probate because they really don't even understand what it means. Probate is the process, the court-administered distribution of your affairs at date of death. It is costly, it is time-consuming, and it is entirely unnecessary if you do proper estate planning. It's just a sad commentary, as you mentioned earlier, that eight out of ten people have failed to do any type of planning, whether they are married or single. Separate property or titling of an asset just in your own name alone is a guarantee that it will go through probate even if you have a will because the will is governed by the probate process. Another form of ownership, whether married or single, can be joint tenancy. And when you meet with clients and they say, well, we own an asset in joint tenancy, what does that mean? Joint tenancy is a form of property titling that can avoid probate at the death of the first joint tenant. For example, may say John and Mary, joint tenants, and then it goes on to say with right of survivorship. So date of death of the first joint tenant, the asset will automatically pass to the surviving joint tenant. You don't have to be married to have a joint tenancy asset with right of survivorship. Point being that while it avoids probate at the death of the first joint tenant, now at the death of the surviving joint tenant, that asset, which was joint tenancy, becomes the surviving joint tenant's sole and separate property. And then at the surviving joint tenant's date of death, it will also go through probate. In addition, if you happen to be married and you set up a proper estate plan, which typically would include a trust, have assets titled in joint tenancy, they avoid the distribution provisions of the trust. In other words, it can be self-defeating. The other big issue, and I've got a client going through this issue right now, worse than dying, Frank, is incapacity. Potentially your cognitive skills are compromised. Now you're in bed perhaps or looking around you and seeing your 
financial world, your fundamental issues of how you live kind of crumble around you, failing to plan for incapacity or or maybe you've got some element of dementia. Those are pretty frightening issues because if you don't have the right structures in place, the right support systems in place, it gets very anxiety prone. And I think every listener today either has a family member who has suffered with a long-term incapacity or knows an individual who has or has acquaintances who have or they themselves may be incapacitated. So when we deal with this with a single client or a married client, many individuals will say, well, I've named my son or my daughter or my spouse as my attorney in fact under what we call a durable power of attorney. A durable power of attorney is a separate document from your will or from your trust, and you have designated another individual with authority to handle your affairs either immediately, which typically makes the most sense, rather than it, quote, springing into effect upon a determination of incapacity. Understand, most members of the medical profession are very hesitant to declare someone incapacitated just because of liability issues, and as a result of that, a durable power of attorney that only, quote, comes into effect upon incapacity is a very difficult document to administer. But just say hypothetically you've named your son as your attorney. In fact, you're a surviving spouse. You have a revocable trust. You as the client are named as the trustee. You become incapacitated. You have your assets titled in the trust. And your son is named as your attorney. In fact, under a durable power of attorney. Here is the main point. A durable power of attorney is very effective for assets not titled in the trust. You may say, well, then I thought the whole idea was to allow my son to have the authority to manage my affairs if I become incapacitated. That is true. But the durable power of attorney and the attorney, in fact, only has authority over assets not titled in your trust. You may ask, well, wait, what are those assets then? Typically, they would be an annuity, a retirement plan, an IRA, or 401k. But assets titled in the trust, the attorney, in fact, has no authority over unless the trust agreement specifically grants to the trustee's attorney, in fact, the authority to act in his or her behalf. In other words, it can become a very complicated arrangement, and through proper planning, you can avoid these type of incapacity issues. Another consideration when we talk about durable powers of attorney is the fact that suppose the client dies. I have had this happen in many situations, and the child comes in and says, well, I'm going to use dad's power of attorney, go into the bank, and make sure that the bank accounts can be transferred into the trust. A durable power of attorney terminates immediately on the incapacity of the client. And that, again, comes as a great surprise to many individuals. Frank, I just had a client recently. I asked him if they had a trust. Oh, yeah, we have a trust. We went online, and we did all the the work that the online system said. And, gosh, I saved some pretty good money. I've seen that be an absolute mess upon the death 
of prior clients when they've kind of do-it-yourself, will, trust, healthcare directive. What's your experience in that area? That experience is it has kept me very busy. Individuals will come in and say, well, you know, we set up this trust online or we bought a forum in a stationary store and we did exactly what it said. And that's just fine. The point is when an individual dies, typically, that is when the effectiveness of the trust comes into play. And if it has not been properly drafted, if it has not been properly funded, in other words, assets retitled into the trust, truly, the old adage, you get what you pay for, is pretty much the story with estate planning. If you've done it online, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It simply means that in most cases, individuals are not sure of what they are actually doing. And so that doesn't guarantee that going to an attorney, things will be done correctly. But if you go to someone who has had a long-term experience in this area, not only of drafting documents, but also in post-mortem trust administration, everyone is better served. Let me make this crystal clear. Vitucci and Associates, we are not attorneys. We are not equipped to give legal advice. I would highly encourage you to hire a licensed attorney that specializes in estate planning issues. If you need a referral for a qualified estate planning attorney, call our offices. We will give you recommendations. Frank Parrish, estate planning attorney with over 30 years experience. We've worked together for many, many years coordinated lots of clients together in a very streamlined, organized approach. Thank you so much for joining us today. Some really good ideas and thoughts, and I appreciate your contribution. Pat, thank you for the invitation. Pat Fittucci says, Don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. If you're like a lot of folks, you have expectations about retirement. Maybe it's white sand-kissed beaches that go on for miles that you can endlessly enjoy for weeks, or sleeping every day till noon. Maybe you're just thinking about never having a care or worry while you enjoy that 30-day world cruise. Well, if these are some of the expectations you have about retirement, Pat Fatucci gives us all a big wake-up call. And Pat, there are some things about retirement that maybe folks are not expecting. You know, I don't like the position of being put in here today, bursting people's balloons about what their expectations are about vacation. I, I want to be the Santa Claus of retirement and just wish everybody good things and presents and lots of money and lots of airline tickets to exotic places. But I think we have to have this reality check. And so don't turn off your radio, folks. This is something that we really need to have kind of a heart to heart today and talk about the five hardest things about retirement that you aren't expecting. Sorry, but I've got to be the bearer of bad news. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just here to bring some pragmatism to retirement. I've been doing this a long time and I hear a lot of stories By the way, most of them are very favorable. Most of them are very good. But there are some things that we have distortions, just like in all things in life. Sometimes it's not exactly what we were expecting. So let's spend a couple minutes today talking about some really unusual things that we hadn't thought about. You and your wife are a loving couple. You've been married for a long time. You know what? The divorce rates for people over 50 has doubled since 1990, and it typically happens right after retirement. After all, you've been very busy running perhaps separate lives, maybe both working, maybe one spouse working, taking care of the kids, taking care of mom and dad. And all of a sudden you've got no other responsibilities. Your hair is no longer on fire and you're running two different places at the same time. 
understanding the emotion of being in the house together 24-7 in this intensive time together, wow, talk about stress. We always recommend, this may sound a little unusual, meeting with a therapist is actually a wonderful idea. You know, mental health is not frowned upon like it was 20 years ago when we Go for our physical health. We get our blood checked and our heart checked and everything else. We look at our vital signs and we calibrate lifestyle based on those things. It's not a terrible idea to go to a therapist and talk about expectations in retirement. Financial management is stressful enough, but we've got to work with personality types. And sometimes mama sees life one way and papa sees life another way. And that's where we can moderate and create a uniquely designed plan that satisfies both. Think about this. My tennis buddies who retired years ago tell me one thing very succinctly. The worst thing they ever did was retire. Yeah, that's right. They wake up at 7 o'clock. They have a cup of coffee. They read the paper. They're all done at 8.30. And now what do I do? And these are pretty active people. They play tennis. They play golf. But you can't do that every day. Your body is not equipped to handle that kind of physicality on a regular basis. And you're not going to Europe and Hawaii every other week either. Okay, now what? Certainly charitable work and part-time work and giving of your time or spending time with grandkids. There are a whole host of those things. But it's understanding what you're going to do with that day. It's a Tuesday morning and it's 830 and you got nothing to do. Now what? There you are with your loved one you've been married to for many years. It doesn't feel so wonderful. Jeez, I'm kind of missing work. I don't get any texts. I don't get any voicemails. I don't get any emails anymore. So I don't have to spend any time doing those kinds of things. It's all a collection of conflicting emotions. Yeah, we all have hobbies. We all want to travel. But it certainly is a challenge to understand the day-to-day living of retirement. It's something we just don't get until about six months into retirement. And that's what a lot of my clients tell me. And I've been in this retirement business for a long, long time. Most people adapt pretty nicely to retirement, but there are some that just have a giant conflict. The rhythm of life. If you're a junkie for juggling lots of things at the same time, because that's what was required in your work life. And now you go home and the only thing you have to juggle is, wow, I can't wait for Tuesday because the garbage man comes. You can't clean the garage every other week. My feeling about cleaning the garage, I move everything from the right side to the left side, and I somehow feel good about that. It's the same junk I'm, I'm moving. It certainly feels good. And after you do that a couple, three or four times, there's no enjoyment. There's no satisfaction out of that. We want your retirement to be fabulous. It's kind of a wake-up call to what you want to do with the rest of your life. We all have a bucket list. Guess what? Bucket lists require buckets of money and travel's costly. You have to have sufficient funds to meet those desires. And sometimes there's a conflict. I'd love to spend a month in Tuscany. Will my budget allow it? The other thing, and I guess this is true for men, and certainly going to be increasingly more true for women, we kind of identify ourselves with work. I think I'd be guilty of that too. I, if I retired fully tomorrow... I kind of identify myself with who I am at the job when I put my tie on every day. And all of a sudden, your identity is kind of stolen. And you're not getting out and meeting people and being social. Your weekly men's club or women's club or or weekly golf is wonderful. But it doesn't many times fill your belly. And you go to bed thinking, geez, what did I do today that keeps me moving moving forward? 
It's those emotional, psychological things that frequently get in the way of a successful retirement. The money stuff you can quantify and pretty much that's a given. Generally speaking, is not a giant surprise. I mean, we can do a pretty good job of managing expectations about the money stuff. But it's the holistic approach, the emotion of retirement that some folks have a really easy time with. And frankly, some people just their lives fall apart. They can't handle the lack of structure. They know we've been structured for 40 years to get up every morning, shave and brush our teeth and comb our hair and put the appropriate gear on to face the work world. And then all of a sudden it changes. We don't have the kind of role models. Many times our, our folks didn't have a lot of years of enjoyable retirement. Sometimes there's a giant collection of what you had thought retirement was all about. As we get older, it just feels differently, looks differently, and and how you handle that adjustment. Adjustment to retirement, again, go out and have a couple's therapy before you retire, six months before you retire. What should you do with this newfound 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year? What are you going to do? You can't have a blank slate. You've got to have some plan in place. And those who have have had a good plan, have a very successful retirement. Probably one of the biggest disappointments. I thought my social security check was going to be a lot bigger. You know, after all, mom and dad live pretty darn comfortably on their social security check. Well, today a social security check represents about 29% of somebody's income. Think of getting a 71% cut in salary, Craig, and understanding that's going to be wonderful. I can still take that trip to, to Europe and Hawaii twice a year. Social Security is not what it used to be. Yes, it's going to be there for the rest of our life. Question is, when do you start taking it? When does it make sense? What is your probability of getting older? So if you have good genes and your life expectancy is going to be in your 80s, it is very smart to wait till you're 70. Again, it's all about cash flow. If you're 65, 66 and you need income, that argument goes out the window. So it's all about when is the best time to take Social Security? We know the rules at 59 and a half, you're allowed to start taking money out of your 401k IRAs without penalties. You're required at 70 and a half to take minimum distribution based on your mortality for the rest of your life. The government requires you to start finally being taxed on that money. You've, they've allowed you to grow tax deferred. So when to start taking Social Security checks and when to start taking IRA 401k monies, therein lies that deft touch. And that's where our financial advisory team can construct the kind of arithmetic that really is prudent and makes sense for you, which by the way, is very different from your neighbor next door, your brother, your sister-in-law. You cannot compare their decisions and your decisions. I frequently say, well, my, my neighbor said I should wait because of this or that or the other thing. Clearly they didn't tell their neighbor about all their personal financial stuff, nor would I expect them to. So you've got to be very careful to create a decision-making process that includes all of your surrounding you specifically, which are unique and different from your neighbor, from your sister, from your brother-in-law, from anybody else. You're not going to sit there and, and share your entire financial history with them. Folks do that when they come into our offices, they spill their guts, they tell us everything, and then we can make some good pragmatic recommendations specifically based on their numbers. It's all numbers game, Craig, as you know, and without knowing the entire picture, you're making a decision in this vacuum. Go to our website with lots of stuff on retirement there. Don't invest and forget.com. Any questions, call us personally, 888 plan wise 
That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or go to our website, don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of Bay Area offices of Atucci & Associates near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 